The Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Beck Dental Care, Columbia Academy, Jones and Ling Sporting Goods, Andy Wilhoit with United Country Realty, the Law Office of David A. Bates, and Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Their trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact them today at 931-381-2663 or visit mtbj.net. Local high school sports and beyond. It's on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. Got a great show as we have two fantastic guests to bring you and we will start on the parks motor sales hotline with a very important and exciting guest because ray green as we told you on the other side of the break there is among the color barrier breaking men in college football as he was the first black assistant coach to be hired by Johnny Majors in 1969 at Iowa State. Most folks in this state remember Coach Majors well from his time at the University of Tennessee. Huntland native. Huntland native, there you go. (laughs) Um, So Franklin County Mm -hmm. folks certainly know Johnny Majors. Um, so right now we will bring in coach Ray green, author of coach of a different color, which just recently released in in the last six months or so, I believe, uh, again, coach, is that right? Yeah, it was released in September. All right. All right. So welcome in. We appreciate you, uh, taking some time with us this morning to talk about your life and book and, coaching career, uh, former coach at Alabama A&M in Huntsville. I remember you coached when you were with the, the Vipers. That was, those were good times. In, yeah. Back in the two thousand early 2000s, uh, Kevin guy and, um, Tommy Luganville, who Tommy now who's with, uh, ESPN and Kevin's moved out West doing very, very well in their rental league. Yeah, Coach Guy, he uh, he certainly made a good living coaching in an indoor football, no doubt. I, I believe he could he could probably do something a little different, but the uh, the stress level might well, not be a, as low. Well, I'm gonna tell you something. Kevin Kevin's not a guy to become stressed, <laughs> but I think he just likes to run a football. He can coach. You know, coaching is coaching, and uh, the game, the rules of the game, are a little different, but. Uh, he and Tommy both were, uh, were excellent coaches and uh, could coach at any level or any, any, any level of football. Coach, it's funny that you say that because I was just getting ready to ask you. We spoke yesterday with an indoor football coach, um, Joe Campbell, with the Music City Fire up here in Nashville. And what did you find to be some of the biggest differences between 11-man football and indoor or arena ball, you know, from a coaching standpoint? Well, if, if you want to make comparisons, compare uh, pickleball with uh, tennis. That makes the game sense. Is much, the, game, the game is much faster, and, and decision-making, uh, you don't fool very many people in the arena football. 
because the, you, you can't, uh, you can try, try to change coverages and that kind of thing. But a good quarterback, uh, will decipher what's going on. And that's, that's why you get a lot of points. It's hard to stop anybody. So when you say you've got a great defense and teams are averaging 40 points a game, because most people that don't follow in football will say, well, you're not playing great defense. But, uh, you know, and the game is faster for the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to make decisions faster and, and uh, you don't have as much time to throw the football. But, I mean, basically it's blocking and tackling and catching the ball. But you have to play defense. I don't care what league you're in or what kind of level you're in. The team that plays the best defense usually wins. <laughs> and when you say you have to play great defense and people scoring 45 points a game, that means you got to score 46. <laughs> <laughs> Chris has often said, if you get three stops, three stops in an arena football add. game, you got a really good chance to win. That, that's right. That's what we always looked at: three stops. Uh, you know, and if you make kick field goals three times, possessions everything. Because once you get a, you know, you get a fourteen point lead, uh, if things just go according to oil, you win the game because you can't, you can't stop the other team from scoring. So. You usually score when they make a mistake, and then they don't score in their position. And then it's just a matter of who, who has the ball last in a lot of cases. But I think it's a great game. And uh, I think the, um, the, the, the leagues, the, the colleges, and, the, and, and even professionals are using a lot of things that the uh, Arena League uses in terms of bunch formations and that kind of thing and trying to pick people on so it, it's, it's, it's football, basically, but it's on the small field. As long as they don't start adding yo-yo motion in the NFL, I'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Now, I coached up in Canada. I put in Winnipeg with the Blue Bombers and uh, learned a lot about motion. I, I think it would be great if you, uh, if you could have yo-yo motion. Uh, it, it gives – the offense right now really has – uh, the, the defense hasn't caught up with the offense since the spread formation came out, and the spread is not that is not that new as the guys used to be the run and shoot, which we ran many years ago when I was a high school coach. But uh, motion gives you a lot of problems in defense in terms of the defense making adjustments and that kind of thing. And I don't want to get all technical on you, but yeah, but uh, I, don't, I doubt that, I doubt that will ever that will ever change your, your motion. But it's a great advantage to be coming off that line of scrimmage full steam ahead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I've had a chance to watch a little Canadian ball and a little arena ball as well. And and like you said, when you've got that full head of steam already up at the snap, that that really forces the defense into some some bad situations sometimes. Well, you know, in Canada, you can move everybody at once. All of them can move. Yeah, it's, it, Canada is a wild game. I remember when we had that when we had that team in Birmingham for a year, and it was oof. Interesting. It was it was hard to understand, <laughs> to say the least. You mentioned the run and shoot, coach. You were a part of one of the first ever run and shoot offenses when you were in high, a high school coach. Were you not? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, it, it, uh, in my first year of high, I coached as a graduate assistant at University of Akron, but first year as a high school coach, we went down to the All Star Game in Ohio, Canton, Ohio, and. Uh, there's a guy by the name of Tiger Ellison from Middletown High School. Now, Middletown High School was for Jerry Lucas, a basketball player back in the day. But but Tiger Ellison was a great football coach. He won a lot of games, and he had had a couple bad years. And he uh, he, he decided to try something different. 
And, uh, you know, he put the line on one side and the back on the other side. And he, he built it to run and shoot with four wide receivers. Wide slot to each side of the field. And he was down there coaching at the clinic. And uh, we got a chance to talk to him. And I was sold on throwing the ball. And at that time, you know, Woody Hayes was a guy in Ohio. Uh, you know, you ran the pool house tee in the three yards in a cloud of dust. And I always, uh, even as a high school player, we had some kids with a lot of speed that never got a chance to catch the ball. It was always in the back of my mind, even as a youngster, why wouldn't we just split this guy out and throw him the ball where he can use his speed? And when I heard Tiger Ellison, we talked with him, but I was sold on doing that. And we we ran for, well, for about, about first, well, we ran for all the time I was coaching in high school. And uh, people couldn't stop us. I mean, we were scoring 50, 60 points a game because it was something new and people didn't quite know how to defense us. And we didn't know what we were going to see each week on defense. Uh, it's much like uh, the guy, I can't, the guy that won the Super Bowl with the Bears uh, from BYU. I, was, I visited them one time. And he, he said the same thing. He, they didn't run the run issue, but it threw the ball quite a bit. But man, and he said, you know, he said, he said, we, we didn't know what we were going to see week to week. But as the game progressed after the first quarter, we knew and people couldn't stop us. Well, it was the same one for what the run issue. And now that they, they've, they've, uh, They've changed it to the, you know, the spread, and there are a few things different. But basically, it's a full wide out defense where uh, offense where you you read the receivers and you run option routes and that kind of stuff in motion, and uh, it's really a great offensive offensive concept. We're visiting on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline with Ray Green, longtime football coach, both collegiately at the high school level, and some professional as well. Member of the Huntsville-Madison County Athletic Hall of Fame um, from his days as a coach at Alabama A&M, did two stints there. And, and Coach, I was asking Chris off the air if um, that would have been at the time that John Stallworth was there, and he was telling me that you got there just after he left. But, um, you know, having some familiarity with Tennessee State up here, we've got – we. A lot of folks around here know about Alabama A&M and, and the football program that they've had there. And so, um, you know, what what are your biggest memories from your time there? Well, when, when I, you know, I was, uh, I had been at, at uh, Michigan State. And, uh, of course, I was looking for a head, uh, I, I thought everybody wanted to be a head coach. But I was an assistant offensive coordinator at Michigan State with Darrell Rogers up there. And uh, Jim Dyer, who had, Lived in Huntsville with the old Huntsville Rockets or somebody with my football team who, uh, and he had, he had lived here, and, but he was coaching at Tennessee at the time with Major. And Jim called me and I said, Ray, you know, there's a job open in Huntsville. If you'd be interested, I know some people down there that you might want to talk to. So that's how I got the entree in there. So, but memory wise, uh, when I got here, they had had several losing seasons. Uh, Coach Cruz, of course. I think he's one of the greatest men and coaches that's ever been up there or anywhere. He's an outstanding person and coach. But uh, they've fallen on hard times. I look at some of the film. They used film, i tell you how long ago, that we're using film instead of tape. But I looked at the, that, that team, and I saw, boy, I said, why is this team losing? You know, this was during the time I was going to interview the next morning. They had, they, had, they had talent. They had some depth. And a lot of young kids, but they were losing games. And uh, I said, this team I'd like to coach. So I went to the interview, but I had a job, and uh, I was free-willing, and I ended up getting a job. But 
I guess, I guess uh, one of the best moments I had in AM was we played North Alabama. AM had never beaten North Alabama. And they were ranked, I think, number one or two in the country. And they came in Huntsville and we beat them. And people, you know, people say we had no chance. No chance. But we had some great football players. I, I, but when I came there, I just asked them one thing. I said, look, if you guys want to win and you're willing to try to do what we ask you to do, I said, we've got a, a, a good staff. And we'll give you the tools to win with if you're willing. Well, we, 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 they did. But then the second year we had a little left because some of them fell back into some bad habits that we were kind of average the second year. But we, we got better and won the championship uh, that third year. But that was, that was, that was one of the first things that I noticed. Well, I guess one of the biggest moments was beating Tennessee State. Uh, <laughs> they came, down, they came, we, we, we beat them, we beat them twice. Uh, they were undefeated, and we went up there to play them. And it was an interesting story, I thought, because the bus broke down the way up there. That's why I said I never want to go to uh, travel to a game on game day. Mm. Money-wise, we couldn't afford to stay overnight. But we got there late, and our kids were the, – the stands were filled, and we were in the locker room getting dressed. And we went up there, and we beat them when they were undefeated. And, uh, uh, again, you know, they, I, I don't know whether they were ready to play us or whatever, but – we we had athletes to compete and uh, and we did. But that was one of the greatest moments. Uh, the North Alabama game, the Tennessee State game, and then the first time we beat Jacksonville State. And of course, hey people now. always said, well, <laughs> "Yeah, <laughs> Jim, Jim Floyd." I'll tell you what, Jacksonville was always our biggest rivalry. People were awfully mad at me uh, in Impulse because Alabama State was our biggest rivalry, but. When you talk to people here, when we I got ready to play Jacksonville, the, the the fever was high when we played Jacksonville because people wanted to beat them, and we we ended up beating them by beating them by the middle of Frank. So those, those were high high moments when we were supposed to lose games, and our team came up. We won a lot of games that we were supposed to lose because we had better athletes than people thought. Of course, recruiting is the name of the game. I don't care where you go. Yep. But it, 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 you know, if you don't have athletes, you're just another guy down the field. And as a coach, what you need to do as a coach is find what they do best and let them do it and get you some coaches that can coach. And you have a chance to win every game if you're everything else being right in terms of discipline and kids that, that want to put, give 100% to what they do. So the, the, approach, the approach in high school, and I coach Little League, by the way. You mentioned I, I coached youth football here at Huntsville. <laughs> he did. He, <laughs> and, and, uh, you you yeah. served as the uh, youth director for the city of Huntsville, right? Well, yeah, so I was a youth service director, and um, the mayor hired me because we had problems with uh, uh, gangs and all that kind of stuff. He wanted to be his arm, and it turned into a pretty good situation because our police department did a great job, and uh, the, the, the neighborhood did a great job in terms of um, not having the same problems that the Birmingham's and the Mobiles were having. Yeah. But Co- uh, I could go Coach- 12 and under. I'm, I'm sorry, but we are up against a hard break at the top of the hour. Uh, we're going to have to to hold you here. If you don't mind, stay on the line with us, and we'll come back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint.
Parks Motor Sales in Columbia has a large assortment of quality new and pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs, a trusted sales staff, and financing plans that fit any budget. Visit Parks once and you'll quickly discover why people all over Middle Tennessee have been buying vehicles there for more than 60 years. And factory-certified technicians can service and repair your vehicle as long as you own it. Go to ParksMotorSales.com or stop by the lot at 919 Nashville Highway and take a test drive today. Tennessee Sports Today with TSWA Hall of Famer Maurice Patton. Here's Chris Yow. Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. Five minutes past the 10 o'clock hour, and we are lucky enough to still have Coach Ray Green on the line with us to continue our conversation about his life and times uh, as a football coach in several different levels and areas including youth football as he was just talking about but uh but coach one of the one of the big things that that of course we want to talk about is how did you end up at Iowa State uh with coach majors well I was a uh, as a mentioned high school coach in Akron Ohio and um I I I had always I had I'd never seen a black coach on the sideline, all during the time I played from little league football up through college football, and uh, when I went, I went started Ohio State, and uh, I left Ohio State, and went back there. And I, you know, I, and again, we they weren't throwing the ball, and I wasn't a big guy, so the uh, tension. Yeah, played both both ways. The chance of playing was slim, so I, I went back, uh, went back home, played for University of Akron. When I got finished playing my, with my athletic career, I needed, uh, I think, eight or ten hours. So Coach Larson, who had been one of my high school coaches, was a head coach at that time, asked me if I wanted to help out with the team to experience school. So that's how I got into it. I hadn't thought about being a coach, period, at that time. Uh, from there, I went to um, uh, Kenmore High School in Akron. Again, uh, there were no black coaches. I was the only black coach. I never thought much about it at the time. I was a great fan of Cleveland Browns. I didn't see any in the pros. I didn't see any anywhere. But when I got into it, I found it was something I'd like to do. It, and, you know, I studied and, and uh, uh, liked doing it. But anyway, the guy that was the head coach at Kenmore High School, when I finally got a job in Akron, was a guy by the name of Mick Violin. had some problems, and he moved to Florida, where his home was, and took a job at Dan McCarty High School. This was 1966, right after integration, and they wanted to hire. They didn't have any black teachers. They had integrated the school system. And Mick called me and asked me if I wanted to come down to Florida. So I told him, yeah, I'll come down. I was a young guy. You know, I just just, uh, getting ready to get married. And I went down to coach at Dan McCarty High School. And um, they didn't have any real racial problems, but um, there there were some underlying problems. 
they had not won down there for a while, and um, uh, the coach that had won was at, previously was the athletic director. And uh, nice guy. And we, we, you know, we did all right. We didn't win. But while I was there, I said, you know, uh, I want to be a college coach. And I started figuring out how I could be a college coach. So I got Street and Smith's yearbook. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It was one of those football journals that comes out. And I wrote, I made me some stationery. And I wrote a letter to every major college in the nation. Uh, I applied for graduate assistantships. I didn't know that. I know now that's not the way you do it. But what what happened was that was that because um, I got back several letters. Most of them were form letters. Uh, we, we received your application, and at this time, you know. But the ones that looked like somebody had sat down and dictated a letter to, I, I wrote again, and that was about 40, 40 different colleges. And when I wrote the second time, I got office for a lot of graduate assistantship. And in the interim, uh, I'm trying to make this story short. They didn't have many black administrators in, in the South when they integrated the schools. So there was a program at the University of Miami that were training administrators to go into situations where there hadn't been any black folks before. So I had applied for it. I didn't think I'd get it because it was something that people had already been experienced teaching uh, had applied for also. But I ended up getting it. So I, went, I rolled down to Miami and uh, after I got the scholarship for the uh, at-risk teacher, at-risk administrator thing. And I went to Coach Charlie Tate's office, and um, I said, Coach, I didn't know him. He didn't know me. I said, I'm here to do one or two things. I said, I, first of all, he said, I said, I've got a scholarship to come down here to go to school. And secondly, I want to be a college football coach. And I'm asking you, can I help out with the football team here in Miami? I said, now, if you say no, I'm going over here. And I'm going to tell him I'm not taking that scholarship. I'm going up to Connecticut where I had already talked to a guy about coming up there. So we talked and he let me, uh, he said, I can't pay you. I said, that's fine. He ended up paying me. And uh, that's uh, that's how I got to Miami. And uh, the next year, at the time, now that we played Alabama, with, uh, we played Penn State, we played a bunch of bad. Ted Hendricks, I don't know if you remember the Mad Stork, and Tony Klein, probably the two best defensive outside linebackers now they call them in the country. Got a chance to actually coach guys that were all Americans at Miami. And um, uh, Leroy Pierce, who was at, uh, Leroy Pierce had coached John Majors at the University of Tennessee. Leroy was the offensive coordinator at the University of Miami. I didn't think he knew me from Adam. Hmm. And, and uh, at the time, I was out there every day, but you know, he never said much to me. I was a gopher. I uh, was a graduate assistant up there. But uh, he came to my house one night, dorm room at 12 o'clock, and said, Ray, would you be interested in a, in a job coaching in college? I said, yeah. I said, I'm, what about here? He said, we don't have any openings. But he said, but John Majors is looking for a black coach. And at that time, I still there were no black coaches. So I said, yeah. I went up there and interviewed with John and got the job. Uh, and I also often tell young people this, that, you know, it's not who you know. People talking about, I know, I, I know this person. I know the president, but he doesn't know me. It's who knows you. And uh, although Leroy hadn't said much to me, he was noticing that, I guess, that I had done a good job and felt uh, felt good enough about me to recommend me the job. And that's how I got the job at Iowa State. And the next year, uh, just about everybody hired black coaches. But uh, I looked it up, and we were doing the book. I wanted to make sure that uh, you know, we had that correct, but 
there were there was one other guy, Frank Gillum, at the University of Iowa that had gotten hired a couple of years before, but it didn't have anything to do with the protests of the black athletes. The black athletes were protesting in the sixties about treatment and that kind of thing, and coaches not wearing them to have beards and mustaches, the whole bunch of stuff. But other than Frank, I was the first one. I know in the Big Eight conference at the time, and as I said, I didn't see any others all during the time my coach. That's how I got to Iowa State. I, I didn't know John, but uh, John knew Leroy, and Leroy knew me, who I didn't think they had paid much attention to what I was doing. So I always tell kids, okay, you never know who's watching you. You know that? I don't care what job you're in. So it's best to do your best job all the time when you have something to do, because you never know who's watching you. They have to come back and say something about you, whether it's bad or good. Absolutely. That, that's yeah. a fantastic, uh, you know, story to, to, to get from a high school coach to major college coach in just a couple of years. I mean, really two years. So, uh, it's, it's a, it's not, it just is a testament to your, uh, your work ethic and, uh, your ability as a football coach. I think, I think anybody who's spent any time around you coach will tell you that, uh, you, you certainly know the game and you understand young men and, you have been a molder of young men for a long time, and we appreciate what you have done uh, both on the field and off the field and what you did and how and what it meant to college football at the time. Well, you know, I, I said, actually, I give credit to the young guys. A lot of the guys that protested back during the 60s, the black athletes, about treatment, uh, were treated very badly. I, I know several lost scholarships and opportunities to play football and that kind of thing. So I give a lot of credit to them, and and you know it, it's uh, uh, we're going through we're going through things now that uh, it seems like it's just a cycle of things happening in this country, and uh, uh, a lot of it has to do with race and I think the way people approach it. But I, I see I see changes, I, and I'll, I'll say this politically: uh, when George the George Ford thing, I, it really warmed my heart. Not the pro, not the violence in the protest because that didn't have anything to do with the protest. You had some idiots do it and doing stupid stuff. But the fact that you had people of all races and all colors out there that that said this is wrong and they, and they protested. And I've always had great faith in young, great faith and confidence that young people would do would be the ones to change things. And I think that that we're going to be all right as a country. And uh, I think that coaches play a great role in it because of the fact that. You get a chance to meet them at the point in their lives where they're just looking at the world in a different way. And in four years, you know, you see them come from youngsters that just want to play football, a lot of them, to the time when they're the people make that, in position to make decisions. And I've lived long enough not to have, um, of course, a bunch of guys that, that are now 50 and 60 years old that I'm so proud of the job they're doing and the things that they're doing in this country. Uh, it's, it's like the gift they keep on giving. I'm I'm very glad to hear that, Coach, and you're exactly right. You know, this 1968 was a time of complete civil unrest in our country, but the next few years certainly made a little bit of a dent in the world with Woodstock and peace and love, and hopefully we'll have a, a similar situation on the other side of, of this. Uh, but, you know, you, you've seen it all, Coach, and – you have you've been there through so many different things in your career, 
and we appreciate you uh, spending some time telling us about those uh, here on our, our radio show. And again, you can get Coach of a Different Color, uh, the life and coaching times of Ray Green. Uh, it's available on online, obviously Amazon, Barnes and Noble, etc. Is is there anywhere else that they can get it, Coach? I think that's the only place. That it's really the, about that. that's the best like place to, to get it. I don't think there's a better place to get it. Get it. You know, I, I'd, I'd love to sell some books, but I didn't write it because of that. And I'll tell short story. I'm going to break this up. As a matter of fact, I appreciate your job because we, we do high school games here on, on uh, ETV, and then preparation is really something in getting to the point where you can do a broadcast. But uh, uh, this this thing was written because of a guy in Atlanta. Uh, I was talking to a convention. And he said, you ought to put it down. And I thought it would be something. If historically, it's something that I think that people would be interested in. But if I make some money out of it, fine. If not, fine. But I, I just, I, I, I haven't read it yet again, but I'm going to. <laughs> but Chris, I appreciate, appreciate you calling me. And, and uh, you guys do a great job. And uh, I think a lot of times people think you just get on the radio and start talking. But a lot of preparation and, and, and things are needed to, to do a good broadcast. I appreciate it. Well, we, we, we do our very best, Coach. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. As uh, Coach Ray Green joined us on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline this morning, and uh, we will certainly be keeping up with uh, with your book and, and everything else. And if, if you decide to write another one, let us know. <laughs> I'll do it. Hey, guys, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today special guest podcast brought to you by Parks Motor Sales. Don't forget to listen each day live 9 to 11 a.m. on WKOM 1017 FM in Columbia. Also visit our website sm-tnsports.com for more local sports coverage in Southern Middle Tennessee.